The website is freedomainradio.com. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. Now, first, I want to get into these latest allegations against Trump. Of course, we'll move on to the WikiLeaks stuff. But, you know, we, we don't expect the New York Times to be interested in Hillary arming ISIS, which came out of the WikiLeaks bombshell releases. But, you know, some woman on a plane claims that Donald Trump touched her in the 80s with no evidence. She told no one about it at the time, didn't tell the airline staff. She waits 35 years until four weeks before the election to tell anyone about this. Isn't that an amazing coincidence? Well, and I talked about this at the time when you saw Anderson Cooper confronting Trump uh, in the last debate saying, have you ever touched any other women inappropriately ever, anywhere, ever? And of course, Trump said no. And immediately you knew they had a lineup of accusers down the road coming up to to do this kind of stuff. And uh, it is tragic and it is kind of predictable. And it does show, I think, the degree of collusion that WikiLeaks is pointing out between the mainstream media, the sort of propaganda arm of the uh, Democrat Party and what is going on in politics. And dear Lord above, Paul, wouldn't it be really, really, really nice if we had a slightly more elevated debate than you're a rapist. No, you're a rapist. No, you're a rapist. I mean, we're not talking Churchill here. We're not talking the Lincoln-Douglas debates. This is like grade two screaming uh, that is going on. And it is being dragged down to that level by the Clinton campaign, in my opinion. I mean, is that a wise decision to drag it down, though? Because, you know, you've got, no. Joe, you've got Joe Biden on tape physically groping kids, young girls, you know, whispering in their ear. You've got Obama showing off his erection on a plane. You've got Bill Clinton on video touching a woman's genitals on a plane. You've got Bill Clinton's entire history of being a sexual predator towards women. Did they really think they could drag it down to this level and come off on top, given the baggage that's connected to Hillary Clinton in this specific area? Well, this is a, um, a sort of decap boomerang, right? You use a weapon, you think you're going to throw at other people, but it's going to uh, come back and do nasty things to your particular person. Of all of the attacks that you'd want to take uh, on another person, if Bill Clinton was anywhere in the vicinity, of all the attacks you'd want to take, sexual impropriety would be way, way, way down at the bottom of the list because that really is like it's a grenade that you pull the pin and it's stuck to your hand and it's stuck to your hand because... Of all of the things, this is the one that the Clintons are most vulnerable on. Because, you know, there's lots of stories of their corruption and the Clinton cash kind of stuff. But that stuff's kind of abstract for a lot of people. It's kind of hard to follow. But this particular one, where you have line after line after line of women claiming uh, rape and sexual uh, assault and uh, sexual uh, harassment and so on. And it is settled a lawsuit for over $800,000 with Paula Jones. So of all the things that you'd want to bring up, sexual impropriety would be the least valuable and the most dangerous, which I think should give us all hope that this is where they're at. This is the bottom of the barrel that they're scraping. This is how desperate they are. And this is how little they have on Trump. Well, there, there have been rumblings in, in both directions that more tapes are coming out. We'll see how damaging they are. Um, we had a claim from a hacker that there's a racist Hillary Clinton tape coming out, which remains sounds too good to be true to me, but we'll see if that emerges. You know, we, we, Stefan, we had JFK, serial womanizer, Bill Clinton, serial sex offender, sex abuser. Ted Kennedy killed a woman. Isn't it amazing that, you know, leftists and Democrats only care about people in politics being abusive towards women when they're running as Republicans? There doesn't seem to be that much concern when it's Democrats. 
Oh, man, watching uh, the selective outrage of uh, people on the left about sexual impropriety is like me auditioning for the after photo of the hair club for men. It just doesn't make (laughs) any sense at all. But this is the kind of projection that generally occurs on the left. They will generally accuse you of what is deep within their own secret hearts. And it is more a revelation of their own particular impulses than anything objectively that's happening in the world. I mean, the idea that Donald Trump back in the uh, what was it, the 80s, like 30 plus years ago, Recently married to his wife, a 34-year-old playboy billionaire, that uh, this woman is going, he's just going to start randomly groping women on airplanes in full view of everyone. Well, that's not particularly believable. Another thing that, you know, just by the by, I've done a lot of flying, particularly for business, uh, and I've almost never gone first class because, you know, it was my company, I want to save the money. But, uh, you know, getting, uh, getting to first class from coach not the easiest thing in the world. I think they're going to electrify that particular curtain and, and put out bars or whatever. Maybe Trump could build a wall between coach and first class. But I think her story is that uh, she was invited up into first class by the stewardess. And, you know, I have, I don't know how many hundreds of flights under my belt. And uh, the idea that you're just going to get invited up into first class, I mean, I, never seen it, never happened. Can you imagine? What do you do? Whisper up to someone, hey, you want to come into first class? Don't tell anyone else. I mean, this doesn't happen. Uh, and she contradicted herself several times in the story uh, itself. And there's no evidence. There's no witnesses. Plus, of course, if she had these kinds of goods on Donald Trump, if he had uh, groped her uh, and so on, she could have taken him to court. She could have got a settlement. She could have gotten rich. But no. She sits on it for over three decades and then finally goes public just a couple of weeks before the election. And uh, this should be, I think, evidence of, again, how desperate and how empty their quiver is if this is the stuff they're throwing at him. I mean, isn't it just going to end up discrediting the media more? We can get into talking about this poll, but if this is proven to have no evidence behind it whatsoever, and now Trump's got his lawyers to write the letter threatening a lawsuit if there's a retraction, Do you think there will be a retraction? Do you think this will just end up discrediting the media more and then kind of uh, making them lose ammunition for future Trump attacks in the same vein? Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, Paul, I keep thinking that the media is going to back down from this brinksmanship that they're playing. I mean, this especially, you know, with these Podesta emails coming out and as you've been talking about in the show, the degree of collusion between reporters and the Clinton campaign. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's been suspected for a long time, but of course now the the facts are really coming out. So the media, of course, has a lot of uh, some credibility left with people. It's got a lot of investment. It's got a lot of infrastructure. And um, are they actually going to just burn the whole damn thing to the ground in order to try and get Hillary Clinton into the White House? Well, I don't think they're going to retract. I don't think they're going to apologize. I mean, what was it? Uh, Was it the New York Times where the guy said he was willing to go to jail just to leak Donald Trump's tax returns? And the reason for that, of course, is that this is it. This is the election that determines the future of Western civilization, i.e. whether it has one or whether it doesn't have one. It all comes down to this. If Trump gets in and does what he says he's going to do in terms of uh, uh, deporting or allowing for the self-deportation of tens of millions of illegal immigrants, uh, and uh, if he builds the wall and so on, then the entire voting base that the Democrats was relying on legitimizing, on granting citizenship to, in order to have them vote, you know, 80, 85 percent Democrat uh, until the end of time, that entire voting base that the Democrats are counting on to never have to actually have a debate about policy in the future, that's going to be pulled out. If, if that's pulled out, the Democrats are literally crippled for, a, I would guess, at least a generation. 
And so they don't have anything to lose because if Trump gets in, I think the mainstream media doesn't have a master to serve anymore, doesn't have an audience that's going to care about what they say. So I think this is why they're willing to put absolutely everything on the line. Stefan, one of the things about this which really rankles me is this newfound moral authority that the left seems to have ascribed to itself. You know, we had uh, Anne Coulter last month, I think it was, at the Comedy Central roast, being called the C-word 19 times. We've got, you know, people like Anderson Cooper on CNN using the phrase teabagging over and over again, giggling about it. We've got Miley Cyrus, who is really outraged about the sexist, misogynistic, uh, gross comments made by Donald Trump. This is literally someone who parades around on stage to a preteen audience wearing a giant dildo. Miley Cyrus, okay, she's the new moral authority. You know, we've got Jake Tapper going on CNN and saying, Oh, and not only did have I never said anything like Trump said, I've never heard anyone else say it in my life. I mean, anyone who claims that they haven't heard a conversation where the opposite sex is joking about sexual objectification is a liar. I mean, we know what girls talk about. You overhear girls' conversations between them. It's very often quite graphic. Anyone who claims they've never heard, maybe, maybe not said, but even so, never heard conversations in the same manner as what we heard on the Trump tapes is just a liar. And it's this feigned moral outrage from the left that really rankles me, Stefan, because they haven't got a, a leg to stand on, have they? Well, uh, it's it's worse than that. I mean, so the left, of course, uh, the mainstream media seems to have had quite a bit of trouble reporting the actual groping of women in Germany during the Cologne New Year's and other things. They seem to have quite a bit of trouble actually reporting pedophiles at uh, or a, a pedophile uh, Seville uh, at the BBC. They seem to have had a lot of trouble actually reporting the countless um, uh, Pakistani gang rapes of young white British girls, uh, uh, over a thousand in Rotherham alone, not to mention dozens of other cities uh, in England. So they sure don't seem to have much luck getting out narratives about genuine sexual predation. Of course, they have, as you pointed out, bypassed the whole Bill Clinton thing for many, many decades. And so the idea that now suddenly they've got this huge concern about any kind of sexual impropriety, it is pure politics. And what I find so vile about all of this, Paul, what is so, it's, there are genuine victims of both sexes of genuine sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, and rape, and so on. And to hook your political narrative into what people really care about and is an actual heinous crime, just to get into power, just to smear an opponent, uh, an opponent, is to me a true horrifying manipulation of genuine evil and genuine human suffering, all in the pursuit of political power. And uh, of course, when this stuff seems to get discredited quite regularly, right? I mean, all the way back to the Duke Lacrosse case, all the way back to uh, some aspects of the Mattress Girl case, all the way back to the UVA rape, all the way back to all of these things, as they get progressively discredited because they're being used to advance a political narrative, the genuine victims of rape and sexual abuse are going to find it harder and harder and harder to be believed. And this, I think, is one of the greatest evils is the mining of legitimate evil and human suffering for the sake of a pursuit of political power. I mean, the, the media has become expert at peddling rape hoaxes. I mean, right up to the president of the United States claiming that one in five uh, women on college campuses are raped. Again, that statistic has been debunked over and over again, yet they still claim it. They're the experts 
the mainstream media is in concocting fake rape stories, fake sexual abuse stories. And as you said, they're also the experts in ignoring real ones. So how could we even trust them to begin with? You mentioned Rotherham again over the course of over a decade. I think it was about 13 years. Thousands of young girls trafficked, abused, raped by these Pakistani paedophile gangs. Not only did they not report on it, the people in government covered it up because they were afraid of being politically incorrect. They were afraid of being called racist. They actually went to the victims, demonized, blamed the victims of this child abuse, told them they were lying and that these individuals had done nothing wrong whatsoever. It continued in numerous towns and cities across the United Kingdom. It's still continuing to this day. And again, as you said, nobody cares about that. The media in Germany for days after the Cologne mass molestation, none of them dared report on it, even though it had come out already days before in social media. We're going to get more into this and the latest WikiLeaks bombshells after the break with Stefan Molyneux. Again, these revelations are coming in minute by minute was what's going to be next. But we can be assured that the New York Times is not going to talk about it. We'll be back on the Alex Jones Show Live, Infowars.com. Now, Stefan Molyneux, going back to the WikiLeaks issue, you know, people were expecting this kind of knockout blow October surprise. That didn't happen. That's not how WikiLeaks operates. We've seen more of the, you know, guerrilla warfare style attack method with these, uh, with this Podesta WikiLeaks email release, a kind of drip, drip, sustained information offensive. To your mind, what are the most damaging revelations we've seen thus far? Well, of course, uh, the fact that uh, Hillary Clinton uh, is, uh, her uh, organizations are taking money from uh, Saudi Arabia and Qatar, which she identifies as providing logistical and material support to ISIS. That seems pretty important. But the number one thing for me, Paul, and it hasn't been talked about that much, but let me read you something very briefly that came out, right? So this is uh, John Anzalone. He's a researcher emailing John Podesta. It's a message titled, You Call It. This is July 15th, 2015. Now, he's quoting Senator Mark Kirk, the Republican from Illinois, uh, who himself is quoted by BuzzFeed. This is regarding the nuclear deal reached with Iran. This is the quote he includes when emailing Podesta. This agreement, the Iran agreement, this agreement condemns the next generation to cleaning up a nuclear war in the Persian Gulf. This is the greatest appeasement since Chamberlain gave Czechoslovakia to Hitler. Now, that is as strong a condemnation of a particular deal as can be conceivably imagined. The idea that the deal might lead to a nuclear war, destroying the region, killing millions, raining blood and, and sand and oil down across the world, darkening the sunsets for half a generation. This is a pretty strong condemnation. So you call it is emailed to John Podesta regarding this nuclear war issue. John Podesta responded, yep, yep. What does that mean? Does that mean? I think that means he agrees that this is going to lead to a nuclear war in the Persian Gulf. That seems to me, call me crazy, call me out of right field, but that seems to me just a little bit more important than a he said, she said grope on an airplane three plus decades ago. And again, this is this is the point I make over and over again. You've got the Qatar thing today. You've got, you know, the Clinton camp discussing deleting emails despite knowing it was against the law. That came out. You've got, again, more slurs against Catholics, Southerners, needy Latinos. You've got Humer Aberdeen saying, can we survive not answering questions? That explains the whole lack of a press conference for months and months and months. 
You've got absolute bombshell after bombshell. You would think for journalists that this would be all their Christmases come at once. An absolute treasure trove. I mean, just in the limited time that I've had to dig through these emails, I've got several exclusives out of it that nobody else had by simply, you know, asking people to send me what they thought was important, writing an article about it. Yet we've seen virtually nothing from the big media organizations. All they're doing is regurgitating this debunked claim that, oh, just blame Russia, just blame Russia so we don't have to even address the details of these emails. I mean, are you surprised at the sheer depth of media collusion? I mean, we knew, we knew they were in bed with each other, but the, the sheer depth of the croniness, it's even surprised me. Are you shocked by it? I think it's escalated uh, in, in the past um, <clears throat> decade or so. Like, as we know, uh, Carlos Slim, a guy who's heavily involved in um, cell phone uh, sales in uh, Mexico, he wants a whole bunch of money coming from people uh, who were Mexicans in America, the remittances going back to Mexico. Mexican government as a whole, uh, it, it's even more, remittances are worth even more for them than their uh, their um, uh, their oil trade. So Carlos Slim, of course, owns a significant portion of the New York Times, and so he's going to oppose uh, the, these kinds of uh, closed borders, uh, having a wall and so on. So I think there is a kind of predictability, but again, the stakes have never been higher. I myself have wanted this fight since I was about 20. Let's just say that's quite a few years <laughs> at this point. I have wanted this fight. I have wanted people to take on the media. I have wanted people to take on the Clintons. I have wanted people to forcefully go into this leftist nest and expose it for what it is. Finally, it is happening, baby. It is happening right before our eyes. I am springing out of bed like a caffeine catapult uh, to, to work this kind of stuff during the day because it has all come down to this. My whole life has prepared me for this. This is the moment. This is the time when people need to act. We need to start having an honest conversation about facts, not screams of racism, not screams of sexism and homophobia and all this, that and the other. We need to have a reasoned discourse about facts. And now everybody understands the media is in the way to people having a coherent conversation. The journalism that is occurring now, as you're pointing out, Paul, it's happening through Reddit. It's happening through 4chan. It's happening through Twitter. The reporters are abandoning their posts and volunteers, unpaid volunteers, are combing through this stuff. People like you and I are bringing it to, to the attention of the masses. It is a new dawn. It is a new day. We finally have the chance to bypass the gatekeepers, deal directly with the people, and bring the information they need directly to their neofrontal cortex for the first time in history. And by God, it is an exhilarating time to be alive, to be in contact with the planet. And I just, for those who, who are losing hope and so on, snap out of it. We've never had a better chance to get the facts across than we have now. Get moving, get engaged, get sharing information. Don't give up because that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The left wants to demoralize you. Oh, we can't win and it's over and so on. Forget all of that. Snap out of it. Give yourself a Don Corleone full-on smack across the face. Get out there and get busy because if it's not now, it's never. I mean, it's amazing, Stefan. I, I guess we should thank these reporters, these journalists for leaving such a vacuum. I mean, I get a hun I'll give you an example. About a year ago, not even a year ago, probably, I was on about 10, 11, 12 million Twitter impressions a month. This is people who see your tweets total per each 28-day period. So it went from 11, 12 million a month. Now it's at 120 million Twitter impressions a month. So for each 28-day period, my tweets are seen 120 million times, and it just keeps going up. That is more than a lot of quite big websites get for a month, just my tweets alone. 
That's not even including YouTube, Facebook, Infowars.com. And of course, I guess you're doing similar numbers now. So, I mean, I guess we should thank them. They've left such a vacuum. They've failed to do their job in every instance. People are so hungry for the truth that now our platforms are just exploding because we're there standing in the gap doing their job for them. Absolutely. You know, if the horse and buggy manufacturers don't want to upgrade and we're inventing the car, good. You know, just keep making your horse and buggy stuff. That's totally fine because we'll just overstep you. Uh, And I think this aspect of things is really, really important. You know, when there's indications that Hillary got certain debate questions ahead of time, when there's indications that she was just, you know, absorbing and borging Bernie Sanders positions for the sake of political gain. And this goes on and on. I've done a bunch of presentations about this and people can check this out if they want at uh, youtube.com slash free domain radio. But when all of this stuff is going on, this is all falling apart. The mainstream narrative, which the media has controlled since the dawn of time, since the dawn of the media, the mainstream narrative has been controlled by the gatekeepers. And even in the last election cycle, uh, alternative media wasn't nearly as powerful as it is now. We didn't have the credibility. We didn't have the reach. Now, I'm sure you get the same messages. People say to me, I come like when something goes on in the world, I come to you. The idea that they're going to turn on the news or go to some mainstream media website and think they're going to get anything other than leftist propaganda is incomprehensible to most people. And so the fact that we're building credibility while they're losing credibility, well, there's only one way that that can end up, which is we take over. Well, exactly. I mean, even following live news events, we saw it with the the truck attack, the terrorist attack. It was the terrorists that carried out, not the truck, in Nice, where you tried to follow that unfolding event on television news. You were just an hour or so behind on the actual details. Following live news events, the best way to do it is on Twitter. That's where you get the most up-to-date information. Again, that's why they're trying to censor us. James O'Keefe has a bunch of videos coming out every day. They blocked his Twitter account. But again, you need to go out into the battleground, onto their field, into their environment. Otherwise, you're just going to be preaching to the choir. And like you said, I mean, people just come straight to us whenever, you know, any any big breaking news event happens. I get messages every day from people thanking me, saying they were SJWs, they were leftists. I woke them up. So it's working. But you have to get out on the battleground, on the field. You can't just preach to to the choir. But in the final uh, five minutes here, Stefan, I just wanted to get on to, you know, the Trump campaign in general. We've got a new Rasmussen poll today, which is showing Trump ahead 43 to 41 percent. Rasmussen tends to use a fair sample when it comes to polling Democrats and Republicans, unlike the other polling organizations. Stefan, I I thought that Trump was finished. I thought that his campaign was completely collapsed and that he would have to step down. Now we've got a a poll showing he's ahead. I mean, what's going on? Well, people are dealing with facts rather than spin. You know, one of the things, uh, this is just a little rant I have stuck in me like a fishbone, so I just cough it up on your show if you don't mind. But, you know, one thing that really, really bothers me is there's some non-story that comes out like, oh no, Trump referred to colloquial uh, cat uh, 11 years ago in a bus that he didn't even know he was being recorded on probably. And this apparently is And so what happens is the media pumps this and pumps this and pumps this and pumps this. You know, like recently uh, you tweeted just like how much the mainstream media was talking about Trump tapes and how little they were talking about WikiLeaks. It was many, many multiples of times that they were talking about the inconsequential story of, of the Trump tapes. So they pump this story, they pump this story, they pump the story. And then what happens is they say, you know, in a, in a debate or wherever they're at, they say, well, you know, I have to ask you this because 
it's a really popular topic. It's like, no kidding, it's a popular topic. If you keep repeating the same topic over and over and over again, guess what? People are going to end up talking about it. But it's this kind of circular reflective nonsense that is going on. And people are waking up to it. They're recognizing that this is not facts. This is all spin. And if you want to go to the facts, you have to go to people who follow the facts. You've built your reputation on giving people the truth, on correcting where information is, is wrong. I've built my reputation on that commitment to the truth. And that now has become the source of our success, the source of our revenue. And if you want to follow the money, you go to the people who are getting paid to tell the truth, right? Who, who benefits? Well, you tell more truth, you get more followers, you get more listeners, you get more revenue, you have more impact. So people need to understand that the credibility shift is completely changed. Uh, and I think this election, it's never going back. Well, if Hillary gets in, <gasps> I think we're working as hard, I think, uh, as we can to bring more facts to people about all this kind of stuff. The narrative is never going back the way it was. That Rubicon has been crossed. And um, I think that the credibility we're gaining and the followers that we're gaining and the, the impact that we're having uh, is so powerful that uh, there's no return to the way that things were. Well, I mean, that's good. I mean, you've got CNN or yesterday petrified saying, how dare Trump supporters chant CNN sucks? Isn't that dangerous? Isn't it such a danger for Trump to encourage that? Well, no, they're chanting you suck because you actually suck. You've lied about things for years. That's why you've got 96%, 94% distrust levels. I mean, that's been exposed. You know, CNN, Brazil, the reporter giving Hillary the question before the town hall debate. That's why they're chanting you suck. Not because they're dangerous, not because they're going to suddenly set fire to CNN Center in Atlanta or, or wherever. It's because you suck. You failed to do your job. That's why we're gaining such a big audience. That's why, you know, you saw it, as I mentioned earlier, this, this Trump tape discussion on social media has been matched by discussion about Bill Clinton is a rapist protesters. Now, you're talking about the entire mainstream media aligned with a common narrative. The whole legacy media pushing this Trump tapes, and we still managed to match them in terms of social media conversation just by encouraging people to go out and say that Bill Clinton is a rapist to wear, to wear the T-shirt. Just our organization alone matched them on that, and that's why they're petrified about it. Um, one other question I want to ask you is, you know, we see this desperation. Even after this Trump tape came out, they seem to be getting even more desperate to push this narrative despite them saying that Hillary is easily ahead. Do you think that their internal polling, not these rigged polls that we've seen, suggests that it's a lot closer than they're letting on? Is that why they seem to be just as desperate as they always have been, if not more? I think that their internal polls are showing either that it's very close or that Trump is, as you talked about with the Rappinson poll, slightly ahead. And I, I think this is really, really important for people to understand. This is not a done deal. I, I don't care how high Trump gets in the polls. It is still a choice that people have to make to get registered, to get out and vote and to share information and to talk to people, challenge people in your life. Bring the facts. So, you know, I do this in my private conversations. You know, I'm up here in Canada. So let's just say it's not exactly a pro-Trump bastion. And I have to have conversations with people where I point out Hillary Clinton's record in the Middle East. And I point out Bill Clinton's history with women and all of these kinds of things. Mostly, people are unaware of it. You know, give people the facts and they make better decisions. Uh, there's an old Socratic argument that evil is a form of ignorance and support for evil is a form of ignorance. Evil always tries to portray itself as good. Bring the facts and people can make better decisions because it really does come down to the next couple of weeks. Uh, this is, and I get these messages all the time from people who aren't in America saying, well, I can't vote, but what can I do? Well, 
Find people in America and get the information to them. Share and, and go to various groups that are in America and share the information with them. Group, groups who otherwise might not get the facts that are out there. Do all of this kind of work. If you're not in America, I'm not in America. There's an enormous amount that you can do to bring real facts to people so they can make more informed and better decisions. So, yeah, I think that uh, they are falling a part of falling behind in the polls. And uh, I think that's because they are just torching their credibility in such a hysterical fashion. And we are breaking down the narrative, breaking apart the propaganda in real time. They don't know how to adapt because they're so used to having this kind of uh, incredible power. They don't know how to change. They don't know how to handle alternative media. And that's why we'll be back. we're spreading. Stefan Molyneux, stay there. Last segment coming up. We'll be back to finish up Infowars.com. Don't go away. It's the final segment of this hour on the Alex Jones Show. We've got Stefan Molyneux. Just want to mention before I get off the air here, I'm sure David Knight will be covering this. We've got huge developments on Russia. America plotting to allow 9,000 ISIS fighters to escape terror capital Mosul so they can attack Russian troops. Moscow outrageously claims. Was it outrageous that the Obama White House gave ISIS a 45-minute warning before bombing their oil tankers? No, that happened. So it doesn't really sound that outrageous, does it, that they would be giving them a warning, a safe passage out of there to go and accomplish the mission that was the purpose of this intervention from the very beginning, which was regime change in Syria by any means possible, which is what led to the rise of ISIS in the first place, as you saw in the WikiLeaks emails. Reuters is reporting Putin ally tells Americans, vote Trump or face nuclear war that is all escalating. I'm sure David Knight will be able to get into it in the next hour. But Stefan Molyneux, final few minutes here. Closing comments on Trump on the state of the election race and tell people how they can get your podcast and about your YouTube channel. Oh, thanks. Well, it is the choice, I think, between an outsider, a non-politician who is not beholden to special interest groups, because, of course, he's been funding his own campaign. And I thought it was a wonderful moment in the second debate where he challenged Hillary Clinton to put some of her own, I would consider, fairly ill-gotten gains for these speeches that were nothing burgers, but paid $225,000 for telling people nonsense, uh, to dump some of her own money into her campaign. Because, of course, if you spend money on your own campaign, you're not taking all this money from special interest groups who are going to own you by the time you get to the White House. So this is unprecedented. You know, I have argued against political action for many years, but when I get new information, I have to adapt to it. That's called being rational. And so it is a new situation. It is a new environment. There is someone who has never before appeared in American politics, uh, you know, somebody with the charisma, the speaking skills, the, the uh, public visibility, the historical relationship with the media, the courage, the nads, you could say, to actually do what he says he's uh, going to do, not just make promises that his donors have told him to make so that they can pay him to break them later. This is direct, as direct a set of democratic principles and Republican principles as we can imagine. So this is new. People need to understand this. I didn't anticipate it. I don't think anyone did, except perhaps Donald Trump many years ago. So this is new information. And I think that uh, I am now, of course, encouraging people to get involved in politics. It really, really matters what happens over the next couple of weeks. Take time out of your busy schedule uh, to, to get involved in this particular thing. It's only a couple of weeks. Nobody's drafting you to go to war for five years. It's just a couple of weeks, and you can do it all from the comfort of your own internet cafe or bathroom. Uh, or if you have a server in your toilet like Hillary Clinton, I guess you could do it uh, there as well. So get out, get involved. This is so important. This is so important. It really does come down to this. If the left gets in, 
and there's more third world migration and there's open borders. And I mean, it's over. There's nothing left. Freedomainradio.com is the website. Go and check that out. Go and check out Stefan's amazing YouTube channel as well. Stefan Molyneux, thanks for joining us.